Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler. Do you ever feel that life has to be a push to do more, be more, have more? Have you ever wondered where that thought came from, where that feeling came from, that unrest that you might be experiencing, that somehow you're missing something, you know, that big FOMO, the fear of missing out? There's so much in our media these days that says you're not good enough the way you are. And sometimes I wonder about our society. I go to a bookstore and I'll look at the self-help section And yes, there's wonderful things there that can really help you have the life you most want. But so many of them are telling you that you shouldn't be satisfied with the life you have. You must have something more. It has to be different. And pretty much all of those authors or seminar leaders or whomever it is that's pushing this wants you to do it their way. Have you noticed that? Sure, I have my own programs and I want to help people, but it's not because I think that they're not good enough as they are. It's because they have a desire to be better, to have life be better, to improve the way they feel about themselves or their relationship, to move into a better space with their relationship with themselves and with their partner or their parent or their child or their coworker. So it's not about not good enough. It's about the person recognizing that they would like life to be different, to have a change. So sometimes you go to a seminar, I've been to many of them, and it's always about big numbers. Somehow you're not really with the program unless you want to make a million dollars or have a million followers or some big number that is supposed to indicate success. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's really out there. This past weekend, I went to two different seminars, each two and a half days. (laughs) It was a marathon, but they were different. They weren't saying be more, do more, have more. They were saying, would you like this to improve? Then you would have gone to that seminar. Would you like to connect with the people you most care about? And we have a group for that. So I belong to an association and we went for three days to collaborate. It wasn't about doing more, being more and having more. It was about exploring what was possible. And sometimes that's what we're doing. But is there something wrong with having a balanced life that's just the right size for you? I don't think so. You know, it's something that you have to make up your own mind about. It's not a big should that there is some way you should be. And if you're not that way, there's something wrong with you and you, you should be wanting more. So I just wanted to put that out there this morning because it really stuck with me that this idea that you're never to be satisfied or content 
Now, of course, there's an argument to be made the other side. You know, if you're fearful about moving forward or you you don't feel that you deserve a better life, yes, all of those things need to be worked on. But today I'm just talking about that big idea that you need to be more, do more, have more, rinse, repeat, be more, do more, have more, rinse, repeat. And only then are you doing life well. And I just wondered if you'd thought about it because you listen to so many TV ads or newspapers or articles, and they all seem to tell us that you you really should be doing more <laughs> or you should be wanting more. And if you do, if it arises naturally from within you and you say, I would like this to change, or I would like more of that, or I know that I could explore this area of my life and improve it, great when it comes from within. But if it's coming from without and it's turned into some kind of a should, that's not a great way to go through life. We're not underachieving on the whole. We're doing life. You get up in the morning, you eat, you greet your partner or your family, you have some kind of way to create an income, you go to different organizations, you have a life, you know, you deal with all of that. But there seems to be this little underlying current that you should be a little restless about that, that maybe that's not enough. Maybe in some way you're underachieving. So there's no right or wrong or good or bad in what I'm bringing to you today. It's just something to think about because it was on my mind and I wanted to put it on your mind and see if it made sense to you. So I was just curious about where did this big push for greatness come from? Is it a way of living a satisfying life? So I decided to ask the Google goddess. So I put in the term, why push for greatness into a Google search? And I got almost 14 million hits, 14 million hits. There were even a Huffington Post article and two other articles called how to push yourself towards greatness. A worthy goal if that's what you want. Absolutely. But if it's a should, if it's making you feel less than you possibly could be or should be, then I really invite you to question it. Now, why do we want to push the river? Why do we always want to take control of where the river is and how it's flowing and where it's going? What if we were able to relax a little and actually do what the common phrase is and go with the flow to see where the river takes us? If we did that in a conscious way, would that be compelling enough to create a life? Or is there some outside force that's telling us that we're not good enough unless we do this or that? And a lot of advertising is based on exactly that, isn't it? That you are just not good enough unless you buy this product or have this car or move up in life in these ways. And that's built on scarcity. And if we actually believe that and it gets deep inside us, we will go around feeling inadequate. And so today I just wanted to bring that up for you because it's on my mind. Sometimes, sure, we do things from a path of least resistance. It's the easiest thing to do. And maybe that's not always the wisest thing to do because what if you could have so much more that would bring you peace and joy and love and contentment? 
wouldn't it be wise to go and follow that to see where that takes you? Sure, it would be. But we don't have to have this grand outside push to be more, do more, and have more. So how do you know? How do you decide? It's confusing and it's conflicting. That's for sure. We say no one should make another person feel not good enough, right? I mean, the school system, we work on that. We don't want children left behind. We don't want them to feel less than wonderful. We don't want them to have low self-esteem. And we push that in education, yet somehow there is an entire set of connected industries built on you not thinking that you are enough, that you are not good enough. What you are doing right now is not satisfactory. You should be doing more. You should be wanting more. Does this strike a chord with you at all? I just thought it was really fascinating to explore in a deeper way. You know, many people even go to spiritual organizations so that they can feel like they're not good enough, that they are not working hard enough, they're not patient enough, kind enough, compassionate enough, whatever. And much money changes hands on the basis of guilt. And hopefully even more from a generous heart, of course, that wants to support people in need, not for larger buildings or salaries. But when you really think about it, do you go to feel affirmed? Do you go to a seminar to feel affirmed as well as to get some insights? Or do you go and end up feeling like you've just been squashed like a gnat? <laughs> it's so important. And I hadn't really thought about it a lot until I was sitting to just preparing to talk with you today. And I thought, this is an important thing to think about. My partner, G. Charles Anderson, and I wrote a book in 2007 called Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up. And in that book, we define our souls as our authentic selves. So it's not a spiritual definition, but our authentic selves. And, and we did a deep dive in that book into getting to know yourself. And we talk about two big predicaments in life, although there are many more. We talk about two, and, and these might pertain to how you're thinking about my question today. One of them is living up to the expectations of other people. Hmm, big one. And the other is an addiction to drama. Another great and large item that we need to consider. So they're common in our lives. You know, we're raised to give up our expect to live up to the expectations of our parent, to to give up what we're thinking and let someone else tell us what is right and wrong. And that's what parents do well. However, once we become adults. It's up to us to decide what our expectations of ourselves are, what our expectations of life are, what we want to accomplish or achieve or feel or desire or think. <laughs> and that's what being an emotional growing up is all about, being able to sit with ourselves and find out what do I really want? What would I like more of or less of? And how would I get that? So... It's important for us to think about, to take time to figure out our own expectations because maybe we're measuring ourselves even as adults by the expectations of other people. It's quite possible. What will someone think? 
I know in my generation, we were raised up with that very question. Well, what will other people think? Well, other people are not you and they're not doing your life and they don't know all that's going on within you. So it'd be really great if they withheld their judgments of you. But in my work with the partners and the exes and the adult children of hijackals, those relentlessly difficult, disturbing people, we see both predicaments in play. The hijackal wants you to do what the hijackal wants in the hope of pleasing the hijackal. And a hijackal is a man or woman who simply won't be pleased. So you can contort yourself, you can turn yourself into a pretzel or become a doormat. And the hijackal will just feel that they have more power over you because they, they put you through all of those gyrations. So... You can't live up to the expectations of a hijackal because that's crazy making. And if you try, you'll be completely involved in drama all day long. So there we are. If we're with a hijackal, you're dancing as fast as you can to live up to the expectations of the hijackal. And then you're completely addicted to drama because that's what they are absolutely determined to create because it's all about them.com. So if the push to improve your life comes from within you, great. If you see areas of life that you could improve, you'd like to change. Maybe things aren't going the way you want. Maybe you'd like to see yourself in a more positive light. Maybe you had a hijackal parent and, and you need to learn to trust or you need to learn to create intimacy. And you know that. You want that. That's appealing to you. Then by all means, get help. Go somewhere. Come to see me. Go to something. Read a book. Go to my YouTube channel. Do something that will move you in that direction. But it's not because you must, because some big force told you you must. It, the media or somebody else it's because it rises up within you to say, I think my life would be better if I went in this direction. Or maybe your business would be better if you got more information or you went in a different direction. But that desire to change has to come from within you. And when somebody ever suggests that you're not doing enough or being enough or having enough, I hope you'll pull back and say, why do you think that you have the opportunity or even the right to suggest that to me? You know, part of being an emotionally healthy, grown-up adult is to know that you have the right to your thoughts, your feelings, your needs, and your wants. And only you know what they are. Nobody else can tell you what you should think or should feel or should need or should want. And yet many people try, don't they? And I'm here today to encourage you to say, no, it has to rise up from within me. My greatness rises up from within me. That's what you say to yourself. And therefore, what would I like to do to keep that greatness in alignment with who I most want to be and how I most want to experience life and relationships? It's often good to get insights from other people. I had a woman who wrote to me on a Friday a few weeks ago, and she said, I just found your blog, and I've been with the hijackal, and he wants me back, and I don't know what to do. Can I make an appointment? I said, certainly you can. So she made an appointment for the following week. She said, well, I'm going to read all of your blogs, and, and I'll, I'll talk to you next week. So on Monday morning, 
she wrote me a note and she said, I spent the entire weekend with you. I read your blogs. I read your articles. I read your books. I went to your YouTube channel. I listened to absolutely everything. And the light bulb went on. And I know for sure I do not want to be with this fellow. That motivation came from within her. And she was able to understand where to go. And she found me. And she found the answer. So if you think that you would like life to be different, then it's good to get insights from other people. If you value their opinion and you value their guidance and they're doing well in life, then they're good people to follow. And then stop and reflect. Is that what I want? Does it make sense? And then get help and go for it. Take that seminar, see a professional, come into one of my programs. And I invite you to think this through really well today. It's quite possible to be swept up in that great big should world and feel put upon and less than and squashed by it. But there are no shoulds that you can have imposed on you unless you give up your own will. So find out where do you want to be because any should that you have in your life should come from within you. Not a leftover from childhood either, a today one, one that you want. So question it. Open yourself up to possibilities and don't let fear stop you from having the best life possible for you. Other people are having a different life and that's their best life, but your best life has to come from motivation within yourself. And if you're inspired to do things differently, great. But it's all about balance. And it's up to you to create that. The balance between your opinion and your wants and needs and thoughts and the way that you want to live in the world. And when those two things are balanced, life gets much better for you. And some big should out there that's giving you the feeling that you shouldn't be satisfied or content with your life can then be seen in the light in which is more healthy for you. Yeah, there's always room for improvement. That's your choice, not anybody else's. You're not guilty of anything if you don't change. You may get different, different outcomes, different results. But if you're happy with those results, then your life is going well. And never let anybody tell you that you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're inadequate. Mm -mm. No. You're you. And you're doing life as you. And if you think that you want life to be different, then you change it. But don't get stuck in fear and don't get stuck living up to other people's expectations or to become addicted to their drama because that is simply not a healthy way to live. So why the push to be more, do more, have more? On one hand, I think it's an offer of possibilities. It's a positive thing. It might be worth exploring. And on the other hand, it might be living up to the expectations of other people and really for no good reason, except it's become a habit. And if it's become a habit to live up to the expectations of others, you're missing out on doing your life your way. And I highly recommend giving that a great deal of thought. In our book, Soul Solitude, Taking Time for Our Souls to Catch Up, which you can get on Amazon, just put my name in, or Soul Solitude, we talk about four things that I highly recommend. Acceptance, gratitude, trust, and surrender. 
great places to come from in life when you're dealing with this question of how do I get to live up to my own expectations? So for now, decide if you want your life to go in a different direction. And if you do, then get some help. Follow something, read something, do something, take a program. And if you're satisfied with your life, when you really discover you're satisfied with your life, that's okay. That's great. Only make changes if they appeal to you and you're willing to walk through the fear because often it's fear that stops us. So we have to recognize that. But then move right along. If it's what you want, go for it. I know that you will make good decisions and not be swayed by other people telling you how your life should be. And I know that we're going to talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. I am so excited this morning to have my guest, Jonathan Mitchell. He is a man who wears many hats really, really well. He is not only a singer-songwriter and a producer and an author and a coach and a mentor, and he's created systems that help people improve their lives. He is here with us today to talk about unleashing greatness. Now, that's a big deal. So welcome to the program, Jonathan. Thank you so much, Dr. Shiller. I'm love to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're so welcome. And I'm just going to read the bio that I want you to hear because there's okay. so much that Jonathan does. I'm going to just kind of capture it for you. He's a mentor who works with hundreds of clients across the world, and he's passionate. I know he's passionate because we've spoken before. He's passionate about assisting people and tapping into and unleashing their own greatness in a short time too, because he's developed a variety of approaches that can help people do that. So Jonathan, what's such a great thing about unleashing greatness? Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to? Why do we not want to is the question. <laughs> um, to me, it's about tapping into that greater part of yourself in any, any area of your life, whether it's relationships or business, money, career, hobbies, doesn't matter what it is. It's being able to really tap into that part of yourself that allows, I mean, since we're talking about relationships, that it really allows yourself to be served in a relationship and also to be that person for, for someone else, for your significant other or for friends or whoever you're maybe with. So would that be your definition of greatness? Um, oh my, my definition of greatness. I would say 
it's a knowing and tapping into your fullest potential inside of a relationship. So I was speaking earlier today about this push that we have to be more, do more, have more, rinse and repeat in our life. What do you think about that push that seems to be prevalent in our society? Um, I think it needs to be a balance because you can get caught up in my mind of always pushing instead of being content of where you are. Because in in any relationship, it may not be like with, with me and my lovely, amazing wife. We've had to learn and to grow together. It hasn't just, I mean, it was amazing at first, but it's gotten better because she's been patient with me as I've grown with her and, and back, you know, the other way where she's grown for me as well. Um, if I was always trying to push, 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 push her to be where she needs to be all the time, she would feel a lot of resentment or not feeling like she's good enough. So it's kind of like a balance between, I love you where you are. I accept you for who you are. I, I want to be here for who you are right now. But at the same time, we want, want to progress together. Does that make sense? So yeah, it's it, balance. It, it, it does make sense. And I've used the word balance in regard to that too. However, there was a little piece where you, there was just a little suggestion that, you know, maybe we're, we're not all that we could be. Maybe we, we don't, you know, live up to our potential, mm-hmm. but is there, is there something wrong with not living up to our potential? Is there something wrong with not living up to our potential? Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't really believe in right, uh, I, should, I do believe in right and wrong, but as far as this is concerned, I don't think it's wrong. I just think it's not as fulfilling. And it's all about what someone wants. If they don't want that, then cool. Let them, they can have a mediocre relationship in life if that's what they want. But ultimately, it's unsatisfying, and I know it kind of creates this gap that they want to fill. You know, I'm playing devil's advocate this morning for a reason because <laughs> I I think that we're kind of caught, our society is kind of caught. We've got all this media attention that's coming our way, like, as I said, be more, do more, have more. Mm-hmm. And there's something wrong with you if you don't want it, if you don't want the better car, if you don't want to have a million dollars, if you right. don't want to have a million subscribers, there's something wrong with you. Like <laughs> you're not living up to some great measurement in the sky. Yeah. And, and I feel that that pressure that is, is really erroneously put on just creates drama within a person Mm -hmm. and doesn't give them the space to kind of say, you know, I think that I would like more here, or I would like my relationship to be different, or I think that I could grow a little more. Mm -hmm. Instead of it coming from within, it often seems to come from pressure from without. Do you find that? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's all over the place. It's like social media. You see all these other people with supposedly amazing lives and you think, well, I wish I could go on vacation or I wish I could do this. Or you're always looking at what you lack versus what they have, <laughs> which yeah. is always a dangerous game to play. Um, because if you're always looking for what you lack, you'll always find what you lack. Right. So it's just, it won't matter where you look. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like you said, it's also important to be willing to look at your, weaknesses or I won't say failures, but shortcomings. So you can become stronger. You know, it's kind of like I, I, (laughs) as a sports fan, I I love Michael Jordan because his story came from saying um, he was ridiculed for like having a horrible foul shot and then having a horrible three pointer. So he was bad at those things and then worked on being good. So he became quote unquote, the greatest player in basketball because he's willing to look at what he's weak at. 
mm-hmm. and work through it. And I think that's, I think that's where it's important is if you want to be good at it, you have to be willing to look at what you're not good at so you can move forward and progress. So, yeah. And again, like who gets to judge that? Right. <laughs> that That's the thing that's, you know, really on my mind this morning is, okay, other people look at you and say, well, hey, you could do more, you know, or mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're not living up to your potential, or why don't you have an interest in growing your business or changing your relationship? Where do we actually get off saying to other people, hey, I don't think you're enough? That's a good question, actually. It, it's... And I hate to say balance again because some of the greatest leaps in my progression has been from a mentor or from a friend or my dad um, coming to me. But it was also when I was open for that feedback. You know, it wasn't someone to come to you saying, you're not enough. Um, it was me saying, you know, I think I could do better. They gave you suggestions. But I really think that – so I, <laughs> I'll try and make this as concise as I can for you. I, I think that it comes from within – and how someone feels within themselves, if they don't feel like they're enough, all they see around someone else is that they're not enough either, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So if they're able to have this love from divine to themselves, and they feel that for themselves, and it flows out to everyone else, the only thing they feel for anyone else is just love, care, acceptance. They don't look at them and say, you're not good enough, you should be doing better, blah, 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 blah. It's just a shift in personality, in aspects. It's not like I know for myself, I've gone from needing to save people. <laughs> I've let go of that and gone to just being here for people and supporting and loving them. And if they ask me for help, I will help. But if they don't, I'm not going to force help on them. Well said. And you know, there, there I am. I have a judgment about what you said. But, okay. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I agree. And that's, of course, why I think it's well said. Because I think that there, there's this tendency to externalize like we look at other people and we say you could do more be more instead of looking in the mirror and going within and saying is there an area of my life that i would like to have be in better shape or that Mm -hmm. i could understand more deeply or is there something holding me back is there something that happened to me as a child that needs healing yeah those are internal questions and those are the important ones i think and i hear you saying that too yeah. It, it's kind of like, I mean, the classic example is, is a parent pushing their daughter to be a, a beauty queen or something because she, I mean, this is a classic example. A mom is pushing her daughter because she wasn't able to be that when she was younger. So she needs to have her daughter fulfill that dream. Very classic example, but that kind of stuff happens often. Um, and I think people just aren't self-aware enough to get that oh, this is my dream. This isn't their dream. If I ask them what they want to do, <laughs> do they <laughs> yeah. like this? I mean, it's just, we don't give each other the space to be individuals and, and then say, do you want to be a beauty queen? Not really. I'd rather go ride horses. Okay, let's do that. You know? Yeah. Yay, so, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. You know, I, I was talking to a child the other day and I, I, she said that she was, she was a, a competitive um I forget what she competed in. Oh, horseback riding. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, do you love it? And she had this minute with a look on her face. And then she said, well, you know, my family has always been in horseback riding competitions. I said, well, that doesn't answer my question, honey. Do you love it? 
And she said, well, you know, my parents really like it when I do it. And, you know, trying to dig down underneath that to say, you're allowed to tell me whether you love it or you hate it, or you're just doing this to get approval from your parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then many times as adults, we don't take that on anymore. We don't look at that. We get into a groove or a rut or whatever, and we're now living from that place that is not coming from our authentic desires or even our authentic talents. It's Mm -hmm. just the way it is. Yeah. To, to go on the other side of the coin, like if I was that person who was saying you're not enough, right? Um, I'd want to look inside of myself or ask that person if I was working with them saying, what is it inside of you that makes you feel like that you need to communicate that to someone else, right? And uh-huh. most of the time, as weird as it sounds, like I had a friend of mine who told me once with music that he didn't think I was very good. <laughs> that, and this is a good friend of mine, right? He's in the music industry. He's a friend. I didn't ask him for advice. He just said, you need to give up. You're never going to go anywhere. You're not in very good voice. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's kind of rude. But, and the funny <laughs> thing was, is I uh, literally about a month after that, I released an album, had two songs on Fox sports, won an award, <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just, it just made me realize it was his opinion. And when I asked him about it later, he was saying, I said that because I care about you. Right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. I was like, uh, well, whether that is the case or not, I think a lot of times people do have, or at least usually have, good intentions, and then it just gets distorted, or they think they're saving you from something because they're going to be the truth bearers. Um, you and I talked about before, like a big key for me is permission. Um, if you see someone that you care about, that maybe they are not living up to their potential, or maybe they're doing something stupid, sometimes they need to walk through their own stupidity to progress. You Absolutely. Can't, you can't save them from that. So if you have something to say to them, you always ask permission first. Like I have some thoughts for you. Are you willing to open to listen to them? And they say, no. Okay. Then yeah. just move on. You love them, progress them through their own stupid mistakes and just be there for them when they're ready to have help Then help them. If they don't, then just love them through it. You know? So. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And you know that because we just don't have the right to tell another adult how to do their life or what we even think about what how they're doing their life. Right. It just isn't our right to do that. And we can't seem to give up that parental sense that we are familiar with from being children. And then we try to parent other adults. <laughs> and I don't, in my practice, in, in the relationship world, Uh, helping people have better relationships with themselves and others, and particularly those relentlessly difficult people you and I talked about, there's always this idea that I know what's good for you. I know how you should be because I know how I want you to be. And therefore I'm going to make an excuse. Like I did it for your own good. Mm -hmm. Like your friend, you know, well, I just, you know, I did it because you really needed to hear that. I thought, or I needed to give you a wake up call Hey, that's not your job. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not your job. I never asked for it. It's not your job. It's, you don't require to. You're required as a friend to be a friend. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. That's <laughs> it's just, it's, which is funny. I, you know what's funny about that? I have a funny story about this. So my wife and I, um, I, I grew up with four sisters. So, uh, and they all loved getting flowers from guys, right? So in my mind, guy, okay, they're like girls like flowers. And then when I dated girls, I usually ask them, do you like flowers? And they just always said yes. So for the first two years, I always sent my wife flowers like randomly at work or something. 
And um, she finally came to me once and she said, I don't like getting flowers at work. <laughs> and I was like, why didn't you tell me this? Cause she, and then she said, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you, I didn't want to hurt your feelings or make you feel bad for doing something nice. And I was like, I don't care about the flowers. I care about what it does for you. So if you don't like flowers and you'd rather have Indian food brought to you, I don't care. Just tell me <laughs> what it is. You know, it, it's, it's giving the permission to someone else to say what they do like, what they don't like and being willing as the other person to meet those needs. If it's within your own parameters, that's to me what a relationship is, is about is saying, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. It fits. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that leads us to a, a conversation that I do want to have with you, which sure. is the conversation about boundaries. Yeah. I mean, exactly what you were saying. I like this. I don't like this. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. And if we don't speak up because of all those convoluted things, you know, your wife went through a lot of mental gymnastics to say, well, right. I don't really like flowers, but I don't want Jonathan to think I don't appreciate what he's doing for me. So yeah. I'm not going to tell him and, then we're married and I don't want him spending money on flowers, but he thinks he's doing a good deal. And you've got all that going on yeah, when it's simply being able to say, you know, honey, I really appreciate your desire to please and to make me happy. And flowers don't do it for me. Here's what would, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so boundaries are, are really where I stop and you begin. Right. Yes. So, this, this is me, that's you, and here's the line. Mm -hmm. So how would you have been able to hear most easily your wife telling you about the flowers? What boundary would she have been able to set in a way that you could hear easily? Um, you know, I don't know if it was so much a boundary conversation as opposed to a love language conversation, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, because for her, it was just saying, she does like service and gifts. I like words and affection. Um, so she's saying, I know you're trying to meet this need for me. So it's just more clearly communicating how I can do it better for her, which I guess is kind of a boundary, but it's also just communicating how she likes to be loved. Right. And, you know, I agree. There is a distinction between love languages and boundaries, but they're, they're a little bit of a gray area. So if your wife has a boundary, how, how do you like to hear it? Oh my, how do I like to hear boundaries? Um, <clears throat> depending on the boundary, I personally like bluntness. I'd rather know exactly what she's thinking, where she's at, what she's not okay with, because I never want to have her feel like I'm crossing a boundary on purpose or by accident. You know what I mean? I'd rather her know that I know her boundaries and I respect them then have her feel like that she's not listened to or not heard just because in her past relationships, that was a big deal that she wasn't heard that what she wanted wasn't important. Um, and I am totally opposite from that. So I'm not, I want her to know that her boundaries are important to me too, just as important to me as they are to her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where in relationships, sometimes people have misconceptions or miscommunication is because they don't make their partner's boundaries as important as their own. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't mean that hers are more important than mine. It's just saying that's also my priority as well as my own. So. And if we want to create emotional intimacy, yeah. these are really important things. We need to really get to 
into me see, into seeing another person, as Susan Campbell wrote in her book. That's what the word intimacy breaks down to, into me see. And I can't let you in if I don't say, hey, this is all right with me, and this isn't, and this is what I prefer. Mm -hmm. And then that gives you the opportunity to love her in the way that she feels most loved and heard and respected. And that's the truth for all of us. So why do you think it is that people have so much difficulty often in setting and maintaining boundaries? Um, There's two sides, right? So setting boundaries and maintaining them. I'd say coming from the side of having to set them, I used to have an issue setting boundaries until I went through my own coaching world the last 10, 15 years, I've learned how to get better at it. You know, talking about Michael Jordan, I had to practice a lot, <laughs> uh, which I'm definitely not Michael Jordan with it, but I'm doing better with it. So it's, it's more about knowing who I am, what I'm okay with, what I'm not okay with, and being able to communicate that not in a forceful way or a like a controlling, abusive, like because I think boundaries can very quickly become something unhealthy if it's not handled correctly. Um, so it's more about saying, this is what, like you just said, this works for me in this situation, right? Um, with, with it's my wife and I, like we usually say something like, she'll say like what you just said, this behavior doesn't work for me. This would work better for me. And then I hear that and I go, okay, I get that behavior doesn't work. This behavior doesn't really work for me either. The one that she wants. So then I suggest a third option saying, is it okay if I do this, that work? Mm-hmm. She'll go, yeah, that's fine. So then I'm able to be okay with saying, I don't feel controlled. I have a choice in how I adhere to her boundaries, but then she still feels like that what I'm doing is meeting those needs. Does that make sense? So Yes, it does make sense. And I think one of the things that we have to evolve into if we want to have this kind of emotionally grown up relationship and have this rich intimacy is to not take it personally when someone tells us who they are. When someone says, this is me, and this is my preference, and this is what works for me, that we don't say, oh, aren't I awful and and so inadequate that I didn't know that already. None of us are mind readers, so we have to have these communications in order to deepen our relationships with one another. Yeah, which requires vulnerability and a knowing of self, right? Absolutely. I work with a lot of both men and women who just are not as aware of themselves as I'd like them to be, I should, I'll take that back, that they just don't know themselves as much as they um, need to in order to set healthy boundaries. Because sometimes I'll say, what's okay with you? And they go, I don't know. And that's not a bad place to be because then you get to experiment and say, okay, this is where you get to figure out what's okay or not. Right? You just, when someone, when you go on a date and something happens, you ask yourself, am I okay with this? Like, uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll Two people. So this this uh, friend of mine I was on the phone with last night told me about a situation at work where she's a, a female, has a boss for a male, and he did something um, that was gray area physically. It wasn't way over the line, but it was something that made her uncomfortable. Right? Um, she also has a hard time with boundaries. He didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't sexual harassment. It wasn't anything bad. It was just something she was like, I just don't know if I'm okay with this. So then I said, okay, how come you have a hard time setting those boundaries? And for her, she's like, it comes up as I feel inadequate. I feel like I don't have a voice. All of this trigger stuff came up of why she couldn't set the boundary. And so I just took her through some processes to help her 
you know, stand firm and be, cause she wanted to be firm, but gentle in her communication with this guy. Cause she was a friend. So she went today, said it went really well. She set the boundary and just said, this behavior is not okay. This is okay. And she said so far, um, he's been fine with it and there's been no problem. Right. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but that, that's a good example. You know, first of all, we have to look within and say, what's going on with me when this happens? What, you know, many times it's stuff that's happened to us when we're much younger and we don't really realize what's there and we didn't have words for it then. And now we have to develop those words, but to know that you are allowed to say where you can get into my life and where is too far into my life. Yeah. And that's what the boundary situation is all about because you have the right to set a boundary. You absolutely right. do. And and if you don't take that right, then you can become one of those people who's always complaining about other people not treating you well. <laughs> and and then, then you've got a whole other syndrome going on. So this has been really interesting, Jonathan. And I know we have lots more to talk about. So sure. I hope you'll come back in a couple of months and, and we can do this again and continue the conversation. Love to. Great. And I'd love to hear your music. Maybe we could hear a little of your music next time. You got it. I can do that. No problem. Great. So my guest today has been Jonathan Mitchell. He's a certified life success and emotional health mentor. He's an award-winning songwriter, singer, producer, featured on Fox Sports and Mood Media. And he's absolutely passionate about bringing all this information that he shared with us today and so much more. So I invite you to go to Unleash g.com unleash g.com and see what he has for you there because you want to know this fellow and you want to learn from him so thanks so much for being with us jonathan thank you so much for having me i appreciate it hi this is dr roberta shaler Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing. To save your sanity and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now and let's talk soon. Wow, so much great information today. My guest, Jonathan Mitchell, he's a great mentor. He's a man of all trades and he does them all well. Isn't that lovely? So he has gold for you. He's certainly a great person to have a conversation with as you just witnessed on today's show. And I invite you to think again about the things that I brought forward at the top of the hour that why do we have a push to be way more than we are coming from outside ourselves? And as Jonathan also agreed it has to come from within if you want to feel closer to another human being you may have to find out what your barriers are to allowing that maybe it's nothing they're doing maybe it's you putting up your hand and saying oh no you can't come in 
And these are the things that you find out through self-awareness, self-reflection, and often you need a little help to find those places because they're not glaringly obvious. Something may have happened in your early life that gave you a feeling of not being able to step up and set a boundary, for instance, that you might be hurting somebody's feelings by doing it. But if you learn to do it in a healthy way, in an assertive way, in a way that is totally kind and totally honest at the same time, then you are going to have success with that. And you're going to feel good because you get to be you. You're not submerging some part of yourself. You're not pushing down that piece that says, well, I don't have the opportunity to say what I really want. You'll become more expressive in life. And when you become more expressive in life and you communicate in healthy ways and in clear ways, assertive ways, not aggressive ways, assertive ways, then you begin to see an impact an increase in the joy in your relationships, in the depth of your relationships, in the emotional richness of your relationships. But if you come from a family where, as they say in Canada, no one says boo to a goose, that you don't tell anybody how you feel or what you need and want, and you don't feel you have the right to do that, then you're going to suffer. And you're going to suffer needlessly. And that suffering is an option. You can do it differently. That's why you go to learn. That's why you come into my programmers or Jonathan's programs or someone's programs or you read a fabulous book or you watch things on YouTube. And I invite you to go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash for relationship help. YouTube.com slash for relationship help. I've got lots of videos there that can help you on lots of topics. And so do many other people. So steep yourself in all these free resources. They're there. Maybe they'll wake up something within you that says, I could have a better life. I could have a better relationship. I could like myself a whole lot more. (laughs) These are good things. But when you recognize that and it comes from within you to say, I want that. I'd like that. That would be a big improvement in my life. I'd like to move towards that. Then the motivation is coming from a wonderful place. It's coming from within you as opposed to somebody imposing it on you or making it that universal should. And those universal shoulds don't exist, you know. Those are just other people's opinion. So there's a pull to greatness, a push to greatness common. You know, imagine that Google search Why push to greatness? 14 million responses. I don't like the idea of pushing at all. You know, and yet, of course, we can argue and easily argue that, yeah, pushing is progressing and that's a good thing. But when someone else is pushing us, that's when I question it. And I hope you do too. Because you want to be you. You want to to know what you value, what your vision for your life is, what your beliefs are, your beliefs about everything, how the world works, how relationships are supposed to be, your belief about yourself, maybe your spiritual beliefs, your economic beliefs, all those beliefs. And then when you know what your values are, your vision for your life, all those beliefs, and then you line them up with your current purposes or goals or what you'd like to have happen in your life next, then you get that internal motivation. 
And that's the best place to have motivation come from. And yeah, sometimes we're way down in the dumps. Maybe we can't see the forest for the trees. We can't see up. And someone reaches out a hand and says, you know, there is something you could do. Or there is something better. Or how about trying this? Yes, that's a wonderful invitation. But if someone says, you're not good enough and you should be doing this differently, that's them parenting you. And you know, you're a grown-up. You're an adult. You don't need other people parenting you. And you sure don't need them saying what Jonathan said, uh, which is, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm doing this because I care about you. This is very, very important for it not to be happening in your life. So take the time to get well acquainted with yourself so that you deeply know what your next steps are, where you would like to change or improve or grow, and to know where you're fully content and satisfied, where things are going well and you're happy. And yes, you know, maybe there'll be something that you desire to change and you'll change it. But don't let that universal two by four of the great, you should do this, be motivating your life because that's other people's lives, not yours. So it needs to come from within. And sometimes we need that push, that incentive, that compelling why to make changes. And if we're conscious and aware and alert and alive and willing to do some self-reflection, we'll find those places. And maybe it's the fear of the process that holds you back. And if it does, I invite you to, to move through that because you deserve to have a great life and a great relationship. And only you can put your part into that. You could certainly create your own life. And in the relationship, you could put your best part. And then you see where that takes you. So if in your life, in, in your relationships, you want quality and equity and respect and trust and safety, then make sure that you're providing that because only you can provide that. And do it because it appeals to you. It's what you want. It's where you want to go. So until we talk again, I hope you'll visit forrelationshiphelp.com. That's where you'll find my blog and everything about my programs. And if you think you might be with one of those relentlessly difficult people, those hijackles I talk about, go to hijackles.com and get the free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackle. There's so much here for you. And uh, I hope you'll come to bbsradio.com slash relationship help show and listen to the archives, especially if you've enjoyed today and you're with us for the first time. And until we... we talk again. I hope that you have and create a wonderful week. Talk soon. There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shayla directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shayla on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week, and in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.